today at the Gospel of John, chapter 15, the first eight verses. We began there last week, and we'll continue there this week, and, and we'll sort of conclude our time looking at abiding and bearing next week. But if you have your, your Bible and you want to follow along or you want to read along with me, hear the Word of God, the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter, beginning with verse 1, reading from the NIV. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from this abiding, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're, you're like a branch that is thrown away and, and, and withers. Those kinds of branches, such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, this being doneness, that you bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory, this fruit bearing, this remaining, this abiding, showing yourselves to be my disciples. May God add blessing to the reading of his holy word. Last week, we began looking at this text. It's a familiar text. And sometimes the hard thing at looking at really familiar text is that it is that. It is familiar. We, we know it. We've heard it. And so it becomes pretty easy, <clears throat> to be fair, to kind of tune out or, or to sort of think of, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's just me. But as we looked at John chapter 15 last week in the beginning verses of this, we, we said a couple of things, and I, and I want to just touch base quickly on, on those. The main point or the thrust of our text last week as we looked at John 15 is this. There's an owner, and it's not me, and it's not you. There's this vine, this, and, 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 and we're a branch, and we're to be in that, and, and without being in that, we can't do anything. There's this vine dresser that, that takes care of the vine, that helps the, the vine and the branches to, to be healthy. And I think part of what we said last week, and, and I think when I start to get into trouble, is when I start to think 
of myself in the wrong place in the story. When I start to see myself as something other than what I am. And, and when I start to do that, I start to take on things and I start to take on burdens that, to be quite frank, aren't for me to take on. You see, the ownership isn't mine. And there's freedom in that. There's tremendous freedom in that. You see, I am to bear fruit. Now, automatically, a lot of us go to this place of amassing things. Bearing fruit is quantitative. It's, it's more, right? If this is good, then, then this has got to be better. And this has got to be even better if this is good. You following what I'm saying? We think of bearing fruit often, to be quite frank, as sort of an evangelistic concept. We have a lot of evangelists in the room. We have a whole section of people over there that are evangelists with the ministry of young life. And it would be, I think it would be, we would be quick and, and, and perhaps a little sort of going in the wrong direction to think that this bearing fruit means sort of this collection of souls adding up the names that have crossed over from death to life. Praise God. But I think, it's, I think it's more nuanced than that. And I think, it's, I think in, in some ways it's more simple, but in some ways it's incredibly harder to, to bear fruit, to abide, to be in the vine. So what is the fruit? Well, Galatians talks about fruit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Self-control. You see, I think abiding and bearing has far less to do with, with what we do, position and title, and, and who we are, and a whole lot more to do with whose we are. We've been redeemed. We've been set free to be who we are. So to continue the analogy, continue the parable, you know, if, if, if I'm an orange, I can be an orange. I don't have to be a banana. If I'm an apple, I can be an apple. I don't have to bear bananas. <laughs> and I think, again, we get into some trouble when we, when we think that we have to do more than what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to bear fruit to be pressed into him, to abide with him, to be with him, to be made more like him, to realize that it is all about him and very little about me as I manifest and grow in my love, my joy, my peace, my patience, my kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. The Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I have some really good news for us this morning. Now, to be fair, it's not going to feel like good news at first. 
Because as we talk about and as we look at John chapter 15 and we begin right here at the very beginning with Jesus telling us what's up. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. And then right here, whammo, we get to verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. See, today I get to bring you the good news of talking about discipline and pruning. <laughs> Woohoo. If you've ever seen logs floating down rivers in Oregon, it can be an amazing sight, the logging trade. But every once in a while, there's a log jam. What was flowing doesn't. Nothing moves. The logs start stacking up like some massive traffic jam on the 18 lanes of traffic on I-85 in Atlanta. Nothing moves. So what does the logger do? Well, he climbs a tree. Gets a vantage point and, and, and out of the river. And, and you know, now, now to be to be fair, if, if I was the logger, not knowing anything about logging, I would just go out there on the river. I'd just start chucking logs. What does a woodchuck do? He chucks logs, right? I'd just start chucking them, just, just, just chucking, chucking wood. But that's not what a logger does. He climbs his tree, surveys the log jam, identifies the trouble, then goes to the source of the problem and plants a little stick of dynamite, lights it, and takes cover. When the dynamite goes off, the logs can move again, and the problem's over. Now, every metaphor fails far short. I'm not trying to suggest that the Lord is going to stick some dynamite under you and light, light it up. <laughs> although it might feel like that. But God is like that. He is like that in the sense that he looks over our lives constantly. He's not set all this into motion and then sort of exited stage left and just sort of going, well, see how it goes. That's not his heart. That's not his nature. It's not who he is. He looks over our lives, he, he looks for log jams, and he finds problems, and he takes action. And in the Gospel of John in chapter 15, this process, this action taking is called discipline and pruning. Now every believer, every believer will face both discipline and pruning. And every believer with, with no exceptions eventually comes to understand that there is somewhat of a choice. We can live with the discipline of a holy God or, or we can live with the pruning of God. It's, to some degree, it is our choice. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. 
You're already clean because the word I have spoken to you remain in me and I remain in you. Jesus illustrates both discipline and pruning in these verses. Verse 2, these, these two factors meet. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Some translations, he, he lifts it up. You see, when a wayward branch runs along the ground, away from the trellis, the vineyard owner cuts the new roots out of the wrong places and lifts the branch back up into its proper place. In other words, the vineyard owner, the vine dresser, gets the branch out of the dirt. And isn't that our lives? Haven't we all been rescued from out of the dirt? Once there in this area of discipline growth, the vine will produce fruit again. If a wayward vine is not lifted up, if it is left to its own to run along the ground, there will be no fruit produced. In the same breath, among the same grapevines, Jesus also said, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What a surprising concept for us, for me, right? Working hard to do all the right things, working hard to, to, to kind of appear the right way. The branches that have stayed on the trellis, the ones that, the one that have committed to this Christ-like discipline of abiding and bearing, also draw attention from the vine dresser. And there's pruning. And it might not be comfortable. Now, at this point, I have to be very, very clear, and I really need you to tighten, kind of lean forward for just a second. You can physically lean forward. You can metaphorically lean forward. Forward lean is a good thing. It's a good thing in snowboarding, and it's a good thing right now. Let me be clear. God's discipline is not punishment. Jesus already bore our punishment at Calvary. Praise God. Jesus' discipline is not punishment, nor is his discipline motivated, motivated by a desire to inflict pain. Nor is God's discipline from anger. You see, God doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't treat me unfairly or allow me to suffer anything that is ultimately not for my good. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 tells us that. God's discipline is not punishment. He has already bore our punishment once for all. Rather, God's discipline comes from great love. I told you I had good news for you. God's discipline comes from his great love for us. It is this token of of his adoption of me as his child. He loves me so much that he will do whatever is necessary to make us more holy. And God's discipline then, which is only done in love and only done for our benefit, has multiple, but for today we'll say it has at least three benefits. Number one, 
if we receive God's discipline, we know we're in God's family. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 says this. Have you, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So if we're wondering, if I'm wondering, am I, am I saved? Am I a part of the family? Has God's life come into me? Then I have to look no further than God's discipline because it is a proof text that I am part of the family, that I am part of the vine, that I am a branch trying to bear fruit. You know, I never gave a thought to why my dad didn't discipline other kids. I never thought about that. I instinctively knew that dad only disciplines his own children. Other kids could do stuff that I wasn't allowed to do. They could do it in front of him. And they could get away with it. Unbelievable. And they got away with it because they were not his kids. You know, decades later, I, I do the same thing. I have three that belong to me. I have much more than that, really. But I, I have three that belong to me. And if you're a parent, you know the truth. You don't discipline children that aren't in the family. And that truth goes all the way into the scripture, which God says reserves his discipline only for those of us who are in family. So if you're being disciplined, have been disciplined, feel that at some point in time you may be disciplined, praise God because you are part of the family. How did Jesus put it in Revelation chapter 3 verse 19? Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So the first benefit, if we receive God's discipline, we know we're in the family. Number two, God's discipline is always for our own good and given in love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Endure hardships and discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our own good in order that we may share in his holiness. God will never punish us just for his entertainment. God has a purpose for this discipline, and, and it brings out of his actions this discipline and love, and we can rest in that, we can know that, we can trust that. So firstly, God's discipline carries, or, or, or ways that it carries amazing benefits. Number one, if we are receiving God's discipline, we know we're in the family. Number two, God's discipline is always, always, always for my own good, and it's always, always, always given in love. And thirdly, God's discipline turns us away from harmful sin and toward a great harvest. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I mean, let's be honest, right? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, in the vineyard, Jesus said the main purpose of the believer is to produce fruit. In Hebrews, the scripture teaches that God's discipline does that very same thing. God may bring discipline to our life, but it's for my benefit. It's to turn me away from sin, to confess so I can continue to bear fruit. What an amazing father we have. And, and, and of course, we all have horrible, bad examples of discipline not done right, earthly discipline, we know that. I'm not trying to make light of that. But what an amazing, amazing father we have. Sin is forgiven and forgotten. It is removed from the east, as far as the east is from the west. Punishment is, is, is handed out for reason, and, and, and that reason is to get us out of what is harmful, this discipline, excuse me, and into what is good. And this word that we use for making that decision to turn away from sin, well, that word is called repentance. We've, we've heard that word, we've, we've talked about that word, we've sung about that word, but at its most practical center, it is recognizing what is wrong in our lives and literally turning away from it. Think about it. The, the longer that I try to excuse my sin, and everybody does that and, at some level, and, or justify my sin, meaning this is not really a sin, it's just sort of a lifestyle choice, or, or, or redefine my sin, it's not that bad, then I'm asking God to increase the discipline all the more. So that's God's discipline. But what of this idea of pruning? I think the, the benefit of God's pruning is maturity. We live in Avery County. <clears throat> We're home to the Fraser Firs, the Cadillac of Christmas trees. If you've ever spent any time around Christmas tree farm and the industry of Christmas tree farming, one of the hardest jobs that has to be done every year is shearing trees. And farmers that really know what they're doing and, and the farmers that grow the best trees will go out into the field at the appropriate time and they'll look at every single tree. It's amazing. Every single tree is an individual. But yet somehow they grow better in community. Fascinating. Every single tree is planted for a purpose. Amazing. It's planted for a purpose. And that tree farmer, that, that expert tree farmer will find, will go to every single tree, and at the top of every single tree, there will be different leads, different leaders, different ways that the tree could grow. And the tree is using a lot of, of energy and a lot of nutrients to grow in all these different directions. But that farmer will prune, will cut away different leads, leaving the one that is pointing north, 
that is pointing straight. And now all the effort and energy of being planted in the ground goes to that lead. One purpose, one focus, one point. So many times, if I'm tired, or rather, when I'm tired, and when I'm worn down and stressed out, I have leads in my life that are sucking my energy because they are going in the wrong direction. But a father who loves me, not out of punishment, comes and prunes and will strip away everything. But that that's pointing me to him. It's painful, to be fair. It can be. I spent a day trying to shear Christmas trees. This is the most painful work I've ever done in my life. It's hard. And there's this notion that the pruning process is not only potentially or not only potentially is painful for the prune but it also is potentially painful to the pruner. There's not entertainment in it. It's done for a purpose. I think the difference between discipline and pruning is health. A vineyard owner, a vine dresser, looks very carefully at the branches on the trellis with this practice eye, with this tree farmer eye, and, and a mindset that looks toward long-term health and cut, cuts branches back. The pruning is so critical. It's so important. Because without pruning, an arbor is never going to produce the fruit it was designed to bear. Instead, it produces just leaves because he's the he's after fruit the vine dresser prunes in just the right places and at just the right times so we think of some examples from the scriptures of those who were pruned Peter was rebuked on numerous occasions the result of those painful pruning experiences Peter produced more fruit tremendous fruit I love Peter a man who was once Afraid to confess, Jesus preached a Pentecost sermon so powerful that two months after the crucifixion, 3,000 people became baptized believers. 3,000 men became baptized as believers. Who knows how many? Paul was knocked blind and senseless within sight of a city gate of Damascus. The result of this heart-stopping event, fruit like, like we've never seen. Instead of persecuting Christians, Paul bore more Christian fruit than perhaps any missionary in, in history. Martha. I love Martha too. I, I, I think I'm a Martha. <laughs> I, I don't think I know I am. Martha getting the dinner on the table, so much more important than, than listening and, 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 and talking with Jesus. It's that classic concern about what I'm doing for Jesus more than my concern about being with Jesus. And, and she tenderly, so tenderly confronted by Jesus. 
because he loves her. And fruit that comes from Martha's life, unbelievable. This benefit of pruning is for our maturity. It's for our maturity. And, and this pruning may lead to a change in, in who is around us. Paul and Barnabas suffered through, through a painful split, breaking up the most successful missions team the early church had ever seen. But what happened? Well, Paul took Silas and Barnabas took Mark and the churches were started on two mission journeys instead of one. Or perhaps in our language, there was twice the fruit. Paul, Barnabas, and Mark and all patched up their differences later. Pruning may, may change where we are. After Stephen's death, believers once delighted to, to stay in Jerusalem ran for their lives throughout Judea and Samaria. Their, their grief for Stephen must, it, it had to have been amazing intense. But the result of their pain, this pruning was to bear fruit outside of Jerusalem. See, to the vine dresser fulfilling the Great Commission, it, it's, it's not an option. It's, it's, it's what God does. Pruning, however, will never change whose we are. Jesus says that he will never leave us or forsake us. That he only wants what's best for us. That his desire is to grow us. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're perhaps wondering, okay, what does discipline and pruning practically look like? I don't know. I think it's often one of those things that we can only see from the vantage point of being further down the road. It's hard to name it in the moment. But I do know, and I restate the message of good news, that we are disciplined and we are pruned because we are part of the family of God. And this abiding and this bearing I think is more simple than we have made it out to be. But it's easy. But God's gift of the Holy Spirit in us and through us, developing in us peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, love, joy, self-control. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, even more mature. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. This isn't punishment. He has taken our punishment. But remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Amen.